live in an anything-can-happen-and-probably-will world. The unthinkable has become the accepted. Recycled opinions are past as original thinking and people settle for what is rather than fighting for what could be. There are current cultural shifts, which means that our mindsets and ministries must shift as well. To be effective in soul winning, we must be open to change. What's the church's answer to this rapidly changing culture? How do we win people to Christ in our fast-paced, highly opinionated world? Knowing this, maybe you'd like to share Christ with others, but you just don't know how or where to begin. But maybe there's a supernatural force within ready to join with you. On this episode of Keep It 100, we have our final installment on the subject of prophetic evangelism, concluding with three integral ingredients to make this up. But in between, we have a crucial interview with the OG prophetic evangelist, Mario Morello. Welcome to Keep It 100 Podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Join us in this space where we take on real issues with real insight and real inspiration. This podcast is for those not looking for temporary relief to change circumstance, but revelation to forever change lives. Everybody, it's your old Christmas Smith. I am back from sabbatical and I'm excited to be on the Keep It 100 podcast once again. Hey, what's going on, everybody? We are super excited to have her back as well. <laughs> My husband's been holding down the floor and just doing an amazing job. Although I haven't been on the episodes, I've been listening to every single one of them and they've been so good. But before we dive into today's episode, I want to take a moment and just talk about what I got to do on my sabbatical first tell and us. foremost. I got to do, I got to sleep in. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, that is a love language. I don't know if you all know this about me, but one of my love languages is slow mornings. And having a slow morning means just right. getting up, no schedule, no flight to catch, no trip to recover from, nothing that I have to prepare for, and just enjoying a slow day, and especially with a slow morning. So I got a lot of slow mornings in, in December, and we just had a great time. We got to host some family. My parents came down from Oregon, where I'm from. They spent Christmas with us. We got to go over to my sisters. We just got some really good quality family time. And then my parents, because there was a massive snowstorm up in the Northwest and Oregon got snowed in. A lot of other states did as well. And my parents' flight was delayed an additional two days. Uh, But honestly, I loved it because I got my parents for two more days. So who doesn't love that? And they're amazing. So we just had a great time. Wouldn't you say for Christmas? It was just great. We did. Christmas is very heartfelt. We were doing well. Your little dog was up here. (laughs) She's got a little, I got to watch how I pronounce this, Shih Tzu dog. (laughs) And uh, that is a- Don't say that too fast. No, no. That, That dog, that dog dog is diva, oh, but she's, she's, a, she's a nice dog. So it was good to have her. She's not a diva. Don't listen to him ever. And then the, the kids came home New Year's for a yeah, while. They that had was little fun. plans and little things they did in and out, but they were here at the house as well. Great to so see we, them. Always yeah, good to see always. them. Always. So we had a little bit of a packed house. They had a dog too. Oh, and, and so, he's amazing too. Yeah, Love yeah, Blue. Uh, two dogs. I'm not a major dog fan, <laughs> but them two dogs They win them over a little bit. They do. And they you do. guys, just go ahead and keep championing the cause. I, I'm soliciting the prayers of the saints right now to help, you know, soften Sean's heart for us to get a dog at some point in Jesus name. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Okay. But before we get a dog at some point in our lives, let's talk about what some assignments that you had at the tail end of 2021 and your first one of 2022. Well, hey, I want to give a praise report, but I want you to give the next one. Okay. I I got a chance to go to uh, Dallas, y'all, which that you'll probably hear me say that quite a few times. We're in Dallas a lot, but I got a chance (laughs) to speak to 2000 university students at the South Central Salt. Uh, I got saved in a particular uh, Christian uh, Holy Ghost movement in college. And this is the same movement. And so there were multiple states of students that came together. Uh, it was incredible, man, to see 2,000 university students going hard after God, worshiping God. Worship was amazing. Speakers were amazing. All the workshops. We had a, a, a night where we had hundreds of college students baptized in the Holy Ghost. That will restore your faith in what God's doing in his generation. So awesome. But I can give one specific praise report. There was a gal, the Lord, and I'm giving the Lord all the glory, directed 
me in a word of knowledge about a girl that had an injury early on in dance and gymnastics. She hurt and it hurt herself and affected her overall mobility. So I just put that word out there. I had people pray for people. I'd called out specific words and we had those people identify themselves. Now we're praying for people in mass and I just happened to call that out during the time. I said, also, there's a girl that's been injured and, and what I just previously told you. So anyway, afterwards, the, the guy that is kind of the MC moderator and organizer of the entire event brings this girl up to me and she had done gymnastics and dance and for 11 years, she could not even walk right. Wow. Uh, she said her ankle basically was frozen and so My she goodness. couldn't run. It, it affected the way she walked. All the Ooh. things were accurate on mobility. Power of God hit her. She's weeping as she's talking to me and all of a sudden, she begins to, as she's weeping, says, I can now run. I said, well, show me this. So she takes off. She starts running and as she's running, it just becomes so evident, man, that God has healed her. She jumps up and down. She comes back. And I thought, here's a, a gal that for double digit years could not run. Now she can run. She'll be able to run for the rest of her life. Come on. The devil didn't have the final say. Wow. Jesus had the final say. And I'm just super excited about that. Wasn't that amazing? Oh, it's amazing. And why I love those testimonies, and I'm so glad we're sharing them, is because when one person gets healed, it affects hundreds of people often. Because people that are doing life with these people, people that are seeing the testimonies when we post them online or we share them even here with our Keep It 100 tribe, hearing a testimony is prophesying what's available and the power of a word of knowledge. And I love this um, because I feel like you're so gifted and anointed to really train people up in words of knowledge. But I love that you're showing the fruit of stepping out, giving a word of knowledge, seeing a life transformed, changed. And this girl is never going to be the same. Never. And I saw the video. If you guys haven't checked it out, jump on Sean's Instagram, Rev Sean Smith, and look at this video. It is so powerful. I need to be posting on mine as well because it is one of those testimonies where you just get rocked watching a girl. You can literally see on her face how she's just so encountering God. Okay, another testimony. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, awesome. So Global Awakening in August, Sean also had a word of knowledge for a woman's uterus and had a word of knowledge that God wanted to heal her uterus and he gave some more details. A woman responded. She's like, that's me. You know, you give a word of knowledge. You don't know the background of the story, but come to find out because we just received an email a couple of days ago to our ministry offices. And I tell you what, we love receiving those emails. We love receiving those testimonies. We read every single one and we get so excited about it. And this woman emailed and she said, okay, in August and Global Awakening, that's Randy Clark's ministry that we partner with. Sean was ministering, calls out a word of knowledge. God wants to heal a uterus. Her uterus was totally healed. She went back. Here's what's a really cool thing. She went back, told her doctor about a word of knowledge. This was his response. He's like, I'm going to Google that, what that means. <laughs> he didn't even know, of course, what it means. Hey, we get it. I mean, I love that God's going to encounter the doctor, the medical team. He does all the proper tests that are needed and verifies that her uterus that was once double, I want you to hear, hear this, everyone, double the size that it should have been now is normal, perfect size. There's no cysts where there once were. There's no symptoms of cysts. And the doctors literally cannot argue it because now it's medically verified. God did a creative miracle and restored this lady's uterus. Come Thank you, Jesus. on, Come Jesus. On. Come on, Lord. You need healing in your body right now. You're hearing these two testimonies of what Sean shared, what I shared. I want you to grab that for yourself because remember, as we share the testimony of Jesus, right? We are releasing the spirit of prophecy. We are letting you know, we are reminding all of us what's available and the healing power of Jesus is available. That is just so amazing and mind-blowing and it just gives us all permission and just a fresh glimpse that Jesus yeah. is Jehovah Rapha. He's, Come on. he's the healer. And before we dive in, I just want to really set the playing field for all of us. And I want to ask you a question. Does prophetic evangelism freak you out? Does that scare you? Does that concept, I know we're talking about it. Sean's released a book about it and you hear it and you're like, oh yeah, but Sean's anointed for that. He's gifted for that. He's
he's comfortable in that. Guess what, friends? As his wife, I wouldn't say that is my normal zone. I want you to know I had to learn how to become comfortable in sharing the gospel. I had to learn how to become comfortable getting words of knowledge and prophesying outside the church. I had been so conditioned and comfortable that I waited for that atmosphere within the church to be conducive for a move of God. Nothing could be further from the truth. I want you to know God is available and accessible within us 24 hours a day, seven days a week outside those four walls. I want you to know I have seen so many times because now I've done years of going out and ministering outside the four walls, but I had to literally learn how to do that. I had to actually practice. I had to take risks. I had to fail. I had to sometimes, you know, hit, you know, hit the mark. Thankfully, God gave me some encouragement in the process, but I want you to know it's a learned, it's in a sense, a learned behavior. And I want you to hear today. Don't let something because it's new or different, scare you or intimidate you. Let it be an opportunity for you to learn something that is, yes, it's new for you, but we must be people that are sharing the gospel because friends, we are in a moment in history where there is a harvest that is longing to be harvested. And friends, you are the harvester. If we, if we keep the gospel, the good news to ourselves, we are literally robbing a generation from freedom, from an encounter. People are looking for so many alternative solutions to find their peace, their joy, their hope. Friends, the only person that is going to satisfy a broken person is Jesus. The only one who's going to set the captive free. His name is Jesus. He is the only one. And friends, if we do not share it, we are literally robbing a generation of an encounter. So with that, we're going to dive into a powerful interview with my husband and one of his incredible mentors, Mario Marilla. We call him the OG of prophetic evangelism. Get ready for this powerful conversation. Hey, keep it 100. You guys are in for a special treat. I have my spiritual father, my spiritual pops. This man is a prolific author. Uh, my first book I read by him was Critical Mass. It rocked my world all the way up. There were so many in between. Fresh Fire. I'm the, the Christian the devil warned you about to Vessels of Fire and Glory, his most current book. This is evangelist and just uh, an incredible soul winner, mighty man of God, Mario Murillo. Mario, what's going on, man? Well, what's going on is we're going to have an incredible show. I'm really glad to do this. I'm glad it worked out. Oh, man, me too, man. I, I just can't tell you how I'm excited I am about this, man. Tell us, man, what, what have you been up to recently, Mario? Well, recently we moved from the West Coast to uh, Tennessee. We're north of Nashville about an hour, and we're building our ministry, our Tent Crusade ministry, for so that we're centrally located to the rest of the United States. And uh, we just bought a new tent, by the way, Sean, and it's 19,000 square foot tent, and uh, we're going to fill it in Jesus' name. Can see no doubt. About 3,000. So we're going to be filling that tent wherever we go. I love that. I love the strategicness of it, the tent. And, and I've heard different prophetic words that the tent meetings were coming back. And yes. you just think about whether it was a Cambridge Revival tent meetings all the way up to Oral Roberts, right. in the late 40s and 50s in the tents. And there's something about that when you're able to, to put up a tent in a very needy area. And sometimes there's always a search for buildings, there's a search for this and trying to get different churches together. But when you're able to just throw up a tent, people are able to come underneath the tent and the glory. And hey, I mean, the tents are in the Old Testament, the, the tent right. of meeting. And so I am super excited about that. I, I just want to say, as I'm going to ask this first question to you, Mauro, to our listeners. Yes. When I, I'm releasing a book, it is released now called Prophetic Evangelism, but I literally saw this man when I first handed him uh, a copy of the book years ago, the first time I did, which is called the, now the classic edition, not the legacy edition. I said, I feel like this book is plagiarism because I've seen this in your life. I've seen him model it when I was a, a 
student. So Mauro, in your own story, how did the Holy Spirit introduce you to the supernatural in evangelism? Yeah, well, first of all, I want to say to the audience that power evangelism and uh, prophetic evangelism is the only real evangelism. Uh, Paul said in the book of Romans, I have fully preached the gospel with mighty signs and wonders. Well, he understood something that I'll, I'll comment on in a minute, but I would go on the streets of Berkeley, Sean, and face persecution. It was the 70s. It was anti-God. It was communistic. It was, well, what's everything happening now? And the interesting thing is that I didn't know how to witness to people that were stoned, people that were angry, people that would just as soon spit on me and punch me as listen to what I had to say. And one morning, the Holy Spirit told me, all I want you to do is pray in the Spirit. I want you to pray in your heavenly language and walk on Telegraph Avenue until I give you something for someone specifically. And I didn't know how that would look. Uh, today, we call it treasure hunting. Back then, it was just called survival. So I was on the streets praying in the Spirit when all of a sudden, uh, I would know something about someone that was a complete stranger. And the real miracle wasn't that I would just simply know something about them, but the fact that I had the courage to say it to them, which the Bible says, you'll receive power and you'll be my witness. So the first time it happened, it startled me as much as it did the person I was talking to. And then what happened, that would advance to the point where I would be able to pray for them to be healed or delivered. But those specific words that I was not able to explain how I could know the things I knew, but it, it started right there on the streets of Berkeley on Telegraph Avenue. Now, in that hour, and that's so phenomenal, Mario, did you, could you point to any models or mentors in that time that you could go, aha, that's an example of that being used in a way? And obviously taking it to the streets, I mean, that, that was very, at that point in time, that was very out of the box. I mean, it was Book of Acts, but it was really out of the box because perhaps many of the people that we've seen on history, they would do it in their meetings and their crusades. But did you have any mentors or models or people that you saw that operated like that? Well, there were two people that were very influential in my life. One was David Wilkerson and the other was Catherine Kuhlman. And I would listen to Catherine at noon every day. I had a little Volkswagen. I'd have a sandwich and I'd sit there and listen to her before I'd go on the campus. And she taught on the Holy Spirit. And when I attended her meetings, I would watch her point to the audience of thousands and point out into a section and describe an illness. And I, I, I never could forget that. And I watched that and had a yearning for the Spirit of God to work in that way. A lot of people don't realize the same ministry was in David Wilkerson. He's remembered as a prophet, kind of a voice to the church to correct things. But his compassion for the lost was very remarkable. And often on the streets when he would minister, he would get words of knowledge for gangsters, drug addicts, and people and express those things. So this gift has really come from the book of Acts for thousands of years, and it's always been present and powerful. But those were two that really had an impact on my life. You know, I really, I, I absolutely agree with you. We actually, obviously, we see that in the ministry of Jesus, rather that's when he saw Nathaniel said, behold, a man in whom there's no guile. I saw you when you're underneath the tree. But I think even uh, everyone thinks of Ananias as Sapphira, but there was an Ananias that was tipped off by the Holy Spirit to go lay hands on Saul of Tarsus and told him exactly where the street was straight, exactly the experience that he had had previously. You're to go lay hands on him. And then obviously when he did it, we have, you know, this Saul of Tarsus scales coming off his eyes being used of God. So, you know, there's 
so many and fill up so many different examples. And, and that really kind of leads me to this next question, Mario. In this generation we're in now, how important do you think it is to have the supernatural in our witness right now? One of the reasons that the supernatural is so essential in this hour, Sean, is because of the temperament of the millennial. We have to understand what we're up against. Remember, I understood the temperament of my boomer generation and Christ moved on the campus in great power in large part because God gave me discernment about their spirit and their heart. And the millennial, uh, I'm going to say something a little bit contradictory, but it isn't. On the one hand, they are new and they are different. But on the other hand, their needs are as classic as any young person that ever was in America. Sometimes I think we overthink millennials and we, we try to create some exotic beast that the world has never known or seen before. And we miss the fact that their insecurities, their needs, their hurts, and their yearnings are very typical of every generation. Now, here's the part that makes them different. And this is why I think it's essential. <clears throat> they don't know who to trust. They don't know who to trust. Because at this point, let's take, for example, the information age. Uh, Google, Apple, uh, uh, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, they all have a stance. They have a philosophical stance. We could say that their primary goal is to propagate or propaganda of a certain philosophy. Then you right. get into conservative media, and they too have a platform and a and an opinion. And when you're young and you're trying to understand well, what what what's real, what is not real, and that's really the issue. Well, here comes the gospel of Christ, which I believe is the most superior message humanity's ever heard. For example, I don't believe you believe in social justice. Truly, if you leave Jesus out, you don't really care about women's rights if you leave Jesus out. You don't really care about getting people off of drugs if you leave Christ out of the equation. Because tactically, scientifically, historically, nothing has ever had the effect on the human race as the gospel of Christ. And so I think of the supernatural as the confirming aspect of the gospel. When you present the gospel of Christ and suddenly a wheelchair is empty, a cancer vanishes, blind eyes open, and people are instantly delivered of demonic power, then then what you say has veracity. And this is what the way the Bible describes it. It says, and God worked with them, confirming their word with signs and wonders. But the best one is found in the book of Acts chapter 14, where it says this, and God proved that their message was from him by giving them power to work great miracles. That's Acts 14 verse 2 in the Living Bible. So the essence of it is the millennial needs to see a miracle because it's impossible to know who to trust in this day and age. Man, what you say is so profound because honestly, in this hour, there's so many different philosophies vying for hearing. And now, as you said, because of the internet and because of all these social media platforms, anyone can immediately have an audience, whether they have something to say or not. And you you can spawn all kind of talking heads, but the authenticity of the gospel. Yeah. When the power of God shows up, shows off, and the, the gospel was always a sight and sound and experiential thing. Because what I feel like when I think of power evangelism, when I think of prophetic evangelism, I think of, you know, that one backslidden Baptist kid that you prophesied over in right. Berkeley, walking the streets with, with Michelle. I, when I think about that, I think of what it actually does is it leads them to an encounter with Jesus. Absolutely. And because I, if, if we don't yeah. lead them to an encounter, there's a generation hungry for an encounter. And, you know, uh, I, I can know Buddha and never have met him. I can know L. Ron Hubbard, never have met him. But you cannot become a Christian 
without an encounter with Jesus. Because it isn't just simply a retelling of facts. It's heaven opening up your soul. And then that point in time, that's what miracles, you know, do best. I remember, you know, coming into your meetings. And for those of you listeners don't know, for a couple of years, I was an associate with Mario Murillo Ministries right. and taught me so much. But I remember one time after you had flowed uh, in the Holy Spirit and I said, hey, what's the secret, you know, in flowing in the gifts of the Spirit? And you said something so profound. I'll never forget it. I quote you often on it, Mario. You told me, never let fear dictate your gift. And I began to realize, I think that there's so many young people out there today that there's so many fears and we put fears on top of fears, yes. you know, and, and, and then, you know, we have all these fears of this unseen virus to the point where we have made that, I believe, uh, escalate beyond, you know, the godly fear of an unseen God. Like our God is greater than this thing. And so when you have all these fears, it's holding back a gift. When you see someone step out and flow in the power of the Holy Ghost, it does something to allow you to believe I shouldn't be afraid of these lesser fears because I have all of this greater God. What, what would you say to that? Well, what I would say is that not only does the supernatural in Christ convince you because you see power. All right. You see muscles that didn't work. Now they work. Eyes that didn't work. And now they work. Pain that has been excruciating has vanished instantly. But it's beyond that. And I think this is a very important point for people that it is the atmosphere around the miracle because there are definitely occult religions that do miracles. And you can see a fake surgery or you could see a, a man do something that seems to relieve the illness of someone. But what tips you off to it not being good is the atmosphere around it. It doesn't feel safe. It doesn't feel. See, Jesus said, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives. The atmosphere that is in our meeting produces a sense of the purity and the rightness of this. This is right. This is good. This is not evil. This is good. And there's nothing shady about it. And when you go into a into a meeting where mysticism or something spooky is going on and they claim to give you the supernatural, you get the willies. You get a, a feeling in the pit of your stomach that something not right is going on. That's the difference with the presence of God, is that the presence of God combined with the physical power being released, it speaks to your spirit. You see, after all, there's only one way we can know that something is real, and that is in our senses that God has given us and in our common sense. And so the fact is that when that happens, it is absolutely convincing. Now to your other point that I think is also essential to cover is that the fear of being used of God is overcome not by audacity or by uh, boldness alone, but by compassion. What grips you, there, there's a kind of a holy outrage where you feel a need. And this is very important because right now in millennials, the social justice movement has hijacked the natural outrage of millennials and it's hijacked it and given it a counterfeit version. So now what we need to do is look at the fact that I want something good to happen to the human race. Uh, and, and so that young heart that wants something really wonderful to happen to the oppressed, the marginalized, the forgotten gets lost in these ulterior motives and what we call virtue signaling where people uh, are liberals riding around in limousines. They fly in a jet and tell you about how they're trying to save the earth. And they're contradictory. They're saying, we're against fascism, but we're going to beat you up and we're going to mug you and we're going to stop you from speaking. The Christian message says this, look, the heart of everything that's wrong with the human race is based on separation from God. God is the only true source of justice, the only true source of righteousness. There will never be peace or equality without the 
the power of God and the miracle of Christ. That comes in. So now say, I want to be used of God. Say you're watching right now and you're an individual that says, I would love God to heal the sick through me. I would love God to do miracles through me. And I fear because I get up and I don't. Let me tell you how that fear is overcome. There are times when I'm preaching where I have a set of notes and I'll find a certain subject and it's like I strike oil and I have to harp on that for a moment and I have to emphasize. One day that moment turned into seeing someone in the audience and realizing that I knew what was their sickness. But more than knowing their sickness and who they were, I knew something else, that it would be terrible for me to remain silent, that it was incapable of me ever feeling right by withholding and I needed to share it. That's how you overcome the fear is the compassion and the love for people and the love of Christ. The Bible says the love of God constrains us and it literally is true. I can't imagine. Uh, there was a lady that we saw in, up in Batavia, New York. She'd been in a car wreck where the, the car had flipped over three times. She had pain in every joint in her body. She, in, she couldn't sleep ever. She was in excruciating pain and the Lord asked me to have her stand up. I didn't ask her to stand up out of boldness. I asked her to stand up out of outrage. I was outraged that she was going through this and I knew it and something had to be done. And so God's power came on her. She began jumping up and down. And the one who was sobbing the most was her brother who was standing next to her because he said, this is my sister. Everything you said she's, is what she's going through. And she was instantly healed by the power of God. And that's why what we need is anyone in the audience that wants to be used of God, to love people so much, to love God and hate evil with such a holy passion that these miracles come as the automatic result of that fire and that passion. Man, that is so profound. You know, I think of that scripture, Mario, which says the Son of God was manifested for this purpose that he might destroy the works of the enemy. And I feel like so much of maybe modern church in a way that I think the church growth or the modern mentality, the attractional model, again, not trying to, there are people that have an awesome attraction. Yeah. But I think that they leave the signs and wonders out. And part of it is that they lack the outrage of, hey, you're here not only to make the visitor feel good, but you're here to destroy the works of the enemy. And so how can you do that if you leave out the power and the fuel that does the most damage to the enemy in the quickest way? It's like I take this uh, martial art card, Krav Maga, in the old Westerns, the, the, the fight choreography where these looping Western punches, you grab a chair, break it over a person's back. But if you've watched any of the modern, whether it's Wick or, or Born Supremacy or Reacher, Jack Reacher. You have the, all these tight elbows and stuff because Krav Maga is Israeli terrorist fighting, but their whole premise is how to inflict the greatest pain in the shortest amount of time possible and to leave your opponent demoralized so they will not want to fight you. And I feel like God has given us the Holy Ghost Krav Maga and we're still yep. trying to do these looping, yep. you know, cowboy punches. Why do you think emerging leaders, because I was having this conversation, are so reticent to allow the Holy Ghost to take his 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 primal uh, prioritized position in their church services and the way they do church. Well, there are several reasons. It's a complicated answer, and I I will I will unpack it this way. I think we're victimized by two extremes. One is there is an innate insecurity in Christians to want to be accepted by the world, especially the educated world. They want to be known as I listen. I didn't get stupid when I met Jesus, and I want to convince you by my vocabulary and by my careful choreography of the Christian faith. On the other hand, there are some very emotional Christians that have had what I call out of Bible experiences that aren't really convinced that the power of God is that powerful. One is doubting 
if it's real. The other's doubting if it's powerful enough. So whenever this side works, what they do is say, well, we don't really want to allow that because it's going to hurt our, uh, our, all of the decorations we've added, all of the accoutrements we've added to the Christian faith to make it palatable. In this side, we're so busy with emotion. And I've been in meetings and so have you where the, the power is exaggerated, meaning there's a lot of emotion, a lot of hype, a lot of talk and, oh, this is going on. And they're trying to gin up the audience and not realizing that the problem is there's just no anointing present because it's effortless when it is present. Right. It is powerful when it is present. That is so true. Oh my goodness. Hey, Mario, any examples or testimonies of power of prophetic evangelism uh, in your own life? Oh, yes, there are many. And you know, uh, when I share these things, I always want to give Christ all the glory. Uh, we did a we did a meeting in Fresno where we put our tent up. God told me that Highway 99 was special. We don't have time to get into that right now, but Highway 99 is very special to me. And so our tent was up against Highway 99 in the pit. Think White Park, bad area, Fresno. And one afternoon, a young man named Joe was driving on Highway 99 and he passed our tent and he heard a voice say, get in that tent. Well, Joe was about 19 years old and addicted to heroin, introduced to heroin by his father. Mm -hmm. And and so he's on his way to a pizza parlor to uh, deliver pizza. That's the only thing he could do. And no denigration of that occupation meant. But he said uh, he heard a voice. It's 4.30 in the afternoon. We have a 6.30 start time. He's, people are already in the tent and he comes in and sits under the tent waiting for it to begin. It began at 6 o'clock instead of 6.30. And when I came out, the tent was full and I looked and I saw him. He was sitting right on the aisle on the right side of the center aisle, maybe five rows back. And the Holy Spirit downloaded his entire experience. So I walked up to him and I, I again, I give God the glory. I don't want to say this without giving God the glory for every aspect of it because I am utterly incapable of this. This is all to the glory of God. I walk up to him and I ask him to stand. I said, what is your name? He said, Joe. I said, Joe, you have a kidney disease, don't you? And he says, yes, I do. And I said, you have liver disease. And he said, yes, I do. And I said, you're addicted to heroin. He said, yes, I am. And I said, well, Joe, there's a demonic power on you and it's going to come off your body right now. So I put my hand on top of his head and he underwent a remarkable and instantaneous deliverance. And you could see it. The whole crowd could see it. Then I looked at him and I said, you need to pray and receive Christ and your body is being healed. So he's getting all of this happening to him at one time. And he feels the pain in his body, weakness, all of it leaving. And then he says uh, the sinner's prayer after me. And I turn around like, this is a great victory. Like I'm going to march away and get everybody to shout and thank God for this wonderful conversion. And the Holy Spirit says, where are you going? He said, you're not done yet. I'm going to baptize him in the Holy Spirit right now in front of everybody. So I turn around and I said, Joe, I want to explain something to you. Well, he's already got his molecules scrambled. So now I tell him this, uh, you're going to feel something in your belly coming up. And I said, it's going to feel like a fountain of water and you're going to uh, speak a language that is not English. It's not a language you know, but I want you to focus on Christ and you'll receive. Well, he did. And when I lowered the mic to his mouth so that the entire tent could hear the language coming out of his mouth, it like it was like a lightning bolt that went through the entire crowd. And that, that really was amazing. Well, that's not the end of the story. I'll end it real fast. Joe ended up, the, he gave a, put a out before God. He said, God, I'm going to come back on Saturday morning after the tent crusade ended on a Friday. He said,
say, I'm going to come Saturday morning. And if someone asks me to join Inner City Action with Frank Saldana, I'm going to go with him. So he came and he sat there and Frank Saldana himself walked up to Joe and said, you want to come with us, don't you? And he ended up being discipled, actually started preaching. It was it was an amazing story. Amazing miracle. Oh my gosh, man, I'm telling you, I'm getting chills. That that right there, that that's everything. I mean, you, yes, you, sir. you live for those kind of moments and you know in that is the secret to unlock a generation, unlock a nation. Oh my gosh. Mario, man, what tips or pointers or things would you give? I know we've got a lot of listeners out there that are wanting to step out in the supernatural, step out in prophetic evangelism. Any tips or pointers that you could give them to help them uh, make that first step or continue in their, their stepping out in that area? Well, the Bible tells us to earnestly desire the best gifts. It says to earnestly desire them. And I, I think that an educated passion is simply you read Acts, you read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, and you, you, you fill your spirit with a knowledge of what these power gifts really are. And then you begin to realize the Holy Spirit divides them severally as he wills, that God has a plan. Now, the second thing I would say is don't lose hope because the hunger for them is the proof of the fulfillment of them. That is a real important point because the devil will give you despair that you will ever see these things. But the very hunger itself, the passion for them is the evidence and the proof that you are going to see them. That's why the Bible says, blessed are those who hunger for righteousness for they shall be filled. I mean, think of that statement. What it's saying is, is that the, the appetite for this is a blessing because it will itself is telling you it will be fulfilled. I'll, I'll say it again. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. It's going to come. The other thing that I would recommend is this. <clears throat> if you're in a moment when the gifts of God are percolating in you, I think there is a pressure today to make it automatic and to, and to get people activated before they should be. The Bible does not teach a, a graduation of the supernatural, but an impartation of the supernatural. You know, in other words, Peter didn't work his way up from ankles and knee pain to the cripple. He, he received the instantaneous power of the Holy Spirit. So good. And you know, when Jesus sat down and he told the disciples, he said, in Matthew 10, I'm going to give you power to heal all sickness and uh, raise the dead, cast out devils. He didn't say, okay, you're going to start with a couple of sinus problems and neck pain and work your way up to other stuff. That's something we made up. And so what I feel is this, when I'm in a meeting and God gives me a word, I don't automatically share it because I'm not under pressure to do that. I'm, the only pressure that we allow ourselves is if the crowd's expecting us to perform, which you need to never let control your, your behavior. Yes. The pastor advertised that you were a miracle worker, so you got to do it. And that, that shouldn't be in your mind. None of that. Neither the time nor the hour. And I'm going to tell you that sometimes, Sean, the Lord will tell me at seven o'clock about a cancer to my right, but it wouldn't be until almost eight or 8.15 that I even acted on because mm. I'm human and I admitted it to God. I'm human. The Lord, you're not testing me to see my reaction. This isn't about how fast my reflexes are in the supernatural. This is about being faithful to God and letting it build and build and build and build and you wait and then all of a sudden becomes irresistible. And in that moment, you, you will not disappoint the crowd. I think that there have been so many misfires brought on by the overzealous need to explain that that people that are in the supernatural start to talk like they're in the, the new age move. You know, we're going to make this happen. The energy's here. I feel the positivity. And that's all garbage. It's not. It, it's nothing to do with the Holy 
Spirit. Preach. And the Holy Spirit comes, you wait, you feel a conviction in your heart, not an impression in your brain. And all of a sudden, the glory comes. And I've noted many times that in our tent, everyone in the audience notices the power of God is present to heal. We need to wait for those things. We need to not feel pressure. And we need to rest in peace that when the time is right, that miracle power is going to be released through you. Wow, that's that's so strong. I remember Mario, I think it was 86 or 87, Henry J. Kaiser, auditorium yep. Oakland, California. He pointed at a precious Asian lady, said the power of God is on you to stand up out of a wheelchair. She at first doesn't respond, second doesn't respond. You invite an usher, ma'am, the power of God's on this woman. You stayed with it. He put his hand on her. She jumps up. She walks. Her little shawl that she had, blanket, falls to the ground. She takes steps. She runs, I think for eight or, or probably about a decade. She had not walked. We later find out the reason why she didn't immediately get up. She didn't understand English. Right. Her, uh, she's from uh, Asiatic nation. Her family understood English, brought her. And I remember the crowd clapping and me and a, a friend of mine, Randy, we were college students. We hit the ground. So it would have been 86. We hit the ground bawling. But I can honestly say, and I, I probably have shared that story, uh, I would say 250 times uh, yep. that it changed my life. Because when I saw that, it did several things. Number one, I saw the God of the book of Acts. I saw the power of God with the power of the enemy, which I think is the greatest message we ever preach. And it gave me permission. And I feel like I'm jealous for a generation to receive. Ultimately, the permission comes from the Holy Spirit and our identity as sons and daughters. Yes. But when we see someone that steps out, that that honors Holy Spirit, walks in humility, always giving God the glory, which I've seen throughout your entire life. And like I said, a year after I'm saved, you know, you're a part of my life and, and we've had this ongoing relationship. Yes. But I, I'm so grateful that I saw that because it's almost like the underwear or t-shirts you get at Walmart or Target that once you get them out of the package, you can't get them back. Like, I don't know if you ever take those things out. You <laughs> never get them. You can never get them back. Like, well, that's once... quite an analogy, Sean. That's good. <laughs> so I, I feel like, like once you see that, you can never go back to the tidy little mm-hmm. man-natured, man-centered, you know, Bible expository study, which that's awesome. Hey, but if the Holy Spirit isn't there, you know, that's that's everything. That's everything. Yeah. Yep. Go ahead, Mar. You have something you want to say? Oh, I just want to say that if we believe hell is real, then the entire perspective of the supernatural changes. It totally changes. We're not trying to dazzle people. We're not trying to entertain them. There is something very indescribably ominous and at stake about preaching to a lost soul. And you have to ask yourself, why would God hinge the eternal destiny of a soul on a dry meaning? meaningless, superficial presentation. That would never make sense to me. It is the very belief in hell itself that drives me in prayer to make sure that this night with those people may be my only shot, the only time I ever get to help them. And I've got to show them what is at stake. What they need is paralyzing conviction of sin. What they need is a penetrating message of Christ being the Son of God that is so convincing because even preaching is supernatural. And it says, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5, casting down every vain imagination and disobedient thought that challenges the reality of Christ. That's that's how deep it is. And the miracles and the conviction and, and the, the hunger to be used supernaturally all stem from the belief that we believe that men and women don't need to spend eternity in hell or under the power of the devil, but to be set free and to walk with God and to be eternally with Christ.
That's the imperative. That's what purifies everything about what we do and what we say. That is it. We've got to get back to that. And that's, man, that's that's another podcast, but I think the enemy so hit us because we've lost sight of the reality of hell. We don't preach it. We don't talk about it. Well, well said. Mario, what's a way to stay in contact with you? Website, books, any product, anything you want to promote. I know that there are people that want to uh, kind of latch on to the things that you're making available. You're, you're, you got wealth pops. You're, you're just amazing like that. So how can we stay in contact? The best thing is to go to mariomarillo.org and you'll see a window into everything we're doing, especially the 10th Crusade coming up in February the 20th through the 23rd in Hanford, California, just southwest of Fresno. And it's going to be the most intense and the largest outreach we've ever done. And it's quite amazing what God is. God has given us a thousand volunteers to come and work on that crusade. And I, I would love to see people are coming from Vermont, Canada, from uh, all over the U.S. to be a part of that, to work on the streets in the cities of Fresno, Dinuba, Visalia, Tulare, Hanford, and all that surrounding area. It's amazing what, what God is doing. That is incredible. And people, seriously, go on Amazon and get Mario Morello's books. Oh man, I know Vessels of Fire and Glory. I, I'm, I'm telling you, as a minister and as a follower of Christ, has walked with the Lord a number of years. This is profound. And uh, his book, Fresh Fire, will always be a classic critical mass. So many, many others. Mario, man, I sure love you. Thank you, you my friend. Krista sends her love. You give our love to Michelle. We got to get out there and see yeah. you out there. And man, thanks so much for spending this time, man. Uh, dude, this is such great wealth. Thanks, man. Thank you. My honor. Oh my goodness, you guys. That was a powerful conversation, wasn't it? So rich, so many incredible takeaways. And I tell you what, I'm provoked, I'm inspired, and I'm challenged. Friends, grab a hold of the power of taking the word of God to the streets and watch lives be transformed. You can do it, and I, we're going to tell you how to do it. Yes, Mario, it's so profound. As always, Keep It 100 Tribe, we have the Keep It 100 takeaways. In this episode, we're going to talk about the three integral ingredients in prophetic evangelism. Once you start it off, Bo? I'll tell you what, three integral ingredients in prophetic evangelism, number one is understanding God's heart. The only way you and I can actually understand his heart, right, to get to know someone is get into their presence. You must spend time with some in, someone in order to cultivate a relationship with someone. We must read the word to understand God's ways, his thoughts. And I tell you what, there's so many times, and this is something I've learned as I've gotten older and hopefully become more mature in my walk with Jesus, is the silence used to make me uncomfortable. I would go and I would pray and I would worship and I would spend time with God. And then I would just like, you know, wait on God, but then it would be silent. And then I'd feel like, okay, I need to pray. I need to worship. I need to do something. And I've learned as I've gotten older, the power of embracing the silence, the power of leaning into the quiet, because it's in the quiet that I can often hear his voice. I can catch his gaze. I can sense his presence in unique ways. He will download things to me. I'll have senses. He'll Come show on. me pictures. It is embracing the silent things, not the verbal or the loud, but those quiet hidden things that the Lord will often show you treasures in the quiet place. Number two, the second integral ingredient in prophetic evangelism is taking time to listen. Hey, it's just what I was talking about, but just really taking that time to not hurry through the presence of God. So many times we have our to-do list, we have our checklist, but friends waiting on the presence of God, not rushing through that is us learning how to hone in on the ways that he speaks to you. Listen to the way and learn from the ways in which the Lord comes to you, the way things come to you. How did that picture come to you? How did that sense come to you? Did you have a sensation in your body? Is that a word of knowledge? You begin to be able to dissect the communication 
between you and the Holy Spirit. But that only happens where you give space to be able to become a student in the Spirit. If you're always rushing through those moments, you never take time to become a student. You have to, in a sense, create a lab with the Holy Spirit where he can speak to you. There can be interactions, questions, dialogue to be able to hone into his ways in which he speaks to you. Another way in how I'm preparing my heart and my ears is I'm meditating on the scripture. So For good. me, I tell you what, and my husband knows this about me. I actually read the word of God out loud in my quiet time to myself. I don't do that on planes because obviously I'm with people. I don't do that in public settings, but when I'm by myself, I read it out loud. And the reason I do that is because of the way I learned, the way my brain works best. I had to do this in college as well when I was studying. I do best when I not only speak it, but I hear the word as well. It gets into me at a deeper place. So I meditate on it by reading the word and I have an actual out loud conversation. Some people have internal conversations with God and that's powerful. I do that as well. But in my personal quiet time, I'm actually talking out loud. I'm having a verbal conversation with God. So I'm reading scripture and I'll stop and I'll ask questions and then I'll wait for the answer on that. So I'm acknowledging that God is consistent with the communication of Holy Spirit while I wait in the presence of God. I'm in his word and I'm waiting and I'm listening. What am I doing? I'm preparing my heart and I'm preparing my ears. That is so profound. The third and final integral ingredient in prophetic evangelism is now seek to connect to others. You know, after you've been leaning into your conversation with the Holy Spirit, it's now time to lean into the convo with people around you. And one of the things Mario talked about is he said those early words of knowledge that he operated in prophetic evangelism on the streets of Berkeley, he says it began by just him praying in the Holy Ghost. But after he began to pray in the Holy Ghost, he would walk out and he would just begin to witness. He'd begin to look into people's faces. And so he's seeking now to connect because you're this bridge between heaven and earth. And if you always notice that Jesus always interacted with people. He wasn't some guru up on a mountain. He walked the dusty cobblestone streets of Jerusalem, Galilee, and the rest of the surrounding places. And it's time for us to learn the Jesus style. So you've got to lean into conversations around. You've got to learn how to relate to the culture around you. Christianity is not a come be with Jesus and that's the be all end all. It's come be with Jesus. Now go and share him with everyone around you. So you have to learn how to relate to the culture around you. A good prophetic evangelist is not just good on the prophetic part. They need to be good on the evangelistic part. So how do you relate to the culture around you? Enter into conversations with people. Be aware of the things that's going on in people's lives. Listen, listen, listen. You know, say the three laws of real estate are location, location, location. The three laws of witnessing is listen, listen, listen. And you begin to realize how to speak to the unmet issues of the human heart. And when you begin to learn how to do that and then begin to embark upon the redemptive narrative of Jesus, how do I bring the Jesus answer, solution, prescription to what I'm hearing coming out of my friend's mouth, the people that I'm talking to? And sometimes all you're doing is that you're just presenting an opportunity of letting them know that Jesus is the answer in your life. And now it's up to them to recognize, hey, he could be the answer in mine. And so that might lead to a question that might lead to a dialogue. We're not here to force feed anyone, but we are here to be living epistles of the Lord Jesus Christ. So good. Love that. Come on, guys. If you haven't already caught it, keep it 100. I tell you what, this principle, this truth, this teaching is so powerful. It truly is life-changing. It is addictive in the best sense. When you begin to share the gospel and you see God actually encounter people and you realize God can use you and change the lives of those around you, I tell you what, you're not going to want to stop, but you've got to cross that chicken line. You got to get beyond the fear of man. You got to get beyond, in a sense, when you're caught up in your own head, you got to get past like, what are people going to think? Just bring the word of the Lord. Listen to what God's saying in simple obedience, bring it and don't create conclusions of how people are going to respond before you give them a chance to make the choice of their own. Hey, also keep it 100. Just 
just want to let you know, hey, my book in which our last three podcasts have been about, Prophetic Evangelism Legacy Edition, it was released December 21st in terms of a soft release, but we're having a hard launch literally in a couple days. And so do me a favor. I, I We don't typically ask a lot of favors of you. Do me a favor that if you will, if you have the book or are getting the book, take a picture of it and just put it on social media and tag me. I'll repost that myself and kind of give you a, a shout out back. But also if you would on Amazon or wherever, just leave a review, give some stars, honest assessment, wherever you feel, but let some people know about this book. And we really believe it will help someone and that it will be profound for you. Thanks so much for tuning into the Keep It 100 podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and refer us to your friends and be sure to click that subscribe button so that you're alerted as soon as new episodes drop. Help us get the word out, share this link on your social media platforms and check us out at seanandkristasmith.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Sean and Krista Smith Ministries. We would love to hear from you on how this podcast has impacted you. So be sure to show us some love. Also, you do not want to miss next episode as we're going to be talking about what's next, what Krista and I are feeling and hearing that God is saying in terms of this next year, 2022, it's going to be a year. <laughs> it's safe to say, but you and I can be ready for it. And I believe God wants us to be ready for it. So don't miss next episode. And remember, relief may change your circumstance, but a revelation will change you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram and seanandkristasmith.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Keep it